0: of her, the darkness beckoned down the ramp, like it was an entry into some dark pit of hell. Hybern's twin ravens were dead. Did their blood still stain the ground far below? Or had Rhysand and Braaxas wiped even that trace of them away? The darkness seemed to rise and fall, like it was breathing. The hair on her arms rose. Bryaxis was gone set loose into the world. Even Feyre and Rhysand's hunting hadn't retrieved the thing that was fear itself. And yet, the darkness remained. It pulsed, tendrils of shadow drifting upward. She'd stared too long into its depths. It might gaze back, but she didn't move from the rail. Couldn't remember how she'd come down this far or which book she still held in her hands. There was night, and there was the darkness of extinguishing a candle, and then there was this. Not only the true absence of light, but a womb. The womb from which all life had come and would return. Neither good nor evil, only dark. Dark. Her name drifted to her as if rising from the depths of some black ocean. Nesta. It slid along her bones, her blood. She had to pull back, pull away. The darkness pulsed, beckoning.
1: Welcome to the House of Wind Book Club! I'm Hannah.
2: And I'm Amber. This is a fan podcast where we discuss our current book obsession.
1: We're going to break down chapters, characters, themes, and, let's be honest, gossip about our theories relevant to the magical, fairy-filled lands of Prithian.
2: Just so you know, this podcast will contain spoilers and is explicit. We swear and we talk dirty. If you don't get worked up over the phrase, grab the headboard, or hello, Farrah darling, then proceed with
1: caution. We hope you enjoy being a part of our book club.
0: Stay smutty. <laughs> Ready, set, go! <laughs> oh
1: my god. Four, three, two, one <laughs> Hello and welcome to the House of Women book club where I just accidentally hit record in the middle of Amber and I having a conversation. <laughs> Hi, welcome.
2: guys. Welcome. (laughs) Do you like to join our conversation? We're talking about how we sweat a lot.
1: (laughs) We're talking about how sweaty we are this morning. I have the coffee sweats.
2: (laughs) I'm just like, not to, I mean, we're just really throwing you guys in, but I, let me tell you, I am just like a generally extremely sweaty person. Like I don't like wearing t-shirts unless they're larges because I sweat too much. I'm just a sweaty person and I used to be so ashamed of it and now I'm like,
1: eh, fuck it. You know what? Sweaty people unite, okay?
2: It's okay to unite.
0: Heck
2: yeah. It's can I funny Can I wear any cute dresses or like long sleeve anything? No. No, (laughs) Nope. Sure can't. Sure can't. It might be ten degrees outside and I might be freezing my ass off, but I still got pit stains down to my waistline. I don't know what to tell you.
1: Just is what it is. You would not survive in the South because I brought Riley uh to the South in the summer to show him some of my favorite places uh, like in the coastal Carolinas. And he is also, I'm like not really uh, on average just like a super sweaty person. um But like Riley is. And the moment he would like step out of the air conditioning, he would just be like instantly drenched. But I grew up knowing that like, I was going to be sweaty all the time because of the humidity in the South. Mm-hmm. So like I grew up knowing like my makeup's just going to melt off my face. I'm going to have pit stains and it's just going to have to be okay. But yeah, it is. the the That feeling is just not fun. So you know what? It's fine to be sweaty. Okay. We're making it like socially acceptable. It's fine. <laughs> fine. I, I accepted that
2: shit a long time ago. I, I live in tank tops. I either wear tank tops or like really baggy sweatshirts. And that's like what I wear. Cause I'm also I'm also not the kind of person like if something isn't comfortable, I won't wear it. Like I wear shit that's like three sizes too big all the time. But it's cause I'm comfortable.
1: So hey, being comfy. If you're going through life uncomfy physically, no. Is that no. even living? Be comfortable. you right.
2: And Riley and I have very similar like sensory issues we'll call them sensory issues um yeah that just like we're very just very hypersensitive to a lot of different things and we get like very overstimulated and overwhelmed very quickly when we're like either hot or our clothes feel uncomfy or icky and granted like i'm a pediatric occupational therapist so i work with kids that have a plethora of sensory issues all the time and the reason i honestly work with them really really well is because i myself have just a wide range of sensory ick in my life yeah
1: (laughs) you're like i understand some of what you're going through kid. (laughs) been there i get it it, i'm so sorry you're feeling that (laughs) yeah you and riley are so similar i'm glad we were able to shed some light on our personal lives for you guys we know that that's what you come here for right yeah (laughs) not to hear us talk about but learn about us Right. To hear us talk about our sweat, <laughs>
2: God, oh, so sorry. sorry. I mean, welcome. You're welcome. I I don't really know. Yeah. But, um... Hey, we get multiple people that tell us. We actually just had one of you listeners tell us really recently, and we've had so many wonderful messages like this about like how you really appreciate that we're down to earth. So with that comes sweat. So you're welcome.
0: <laughs> right.
1: We all sweat and we all poop. Okay. Hoop. People order our patties.
2: <laughs> it's gonna be one of those days, people.
1: You got yeah, it's a Saturday morning and I'm still finishing my first cup of coffee, so And I'm welcome. on cup I'm on cup number
2: three, so <laughs> take that as you may.
1: I love that. All right. Well, are we done talking about our bodily functions? I think so. Okay, cool. for the time being we can we can move on okay so getting into this episode um make sure that you guys check out the month free trial and the free title you can get on audible um and that you can find on www.audibletrial.com slash house of wind forever saying there are a ton of great books on audible anything you want to listen to anything that you're into you can find it on there And we are always open to hearing your suggestions on maybe something that you found super captivating on Audible. Because we're always looking for fun things to listen to. Absolutely.
2: Also, feel free free to check out our Patreon. We have multiple tiers available to you, um, depending on kind of what you're looking for. And um, the amount that you're willing to kind of spend on getting a little bit of extra content with us. Obviously, we use that money to continue to make really fun and wonderful content. So go go on there and check it out. Um like I said, two different tiers that kind of focus on two separate different things. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to DM us. Um before we get into the summary of last episode, I just have to tell you all, I just finished a dark romance novel. Uh it's called The Ritual by chantelle Tessier, I believe is how you say her name. Um and hot damn Hot damn! This is this is an this is an Amber dark romance, not a Hannah dark romance. Um, yep. And and when I say that, Hannah and I both like dark romance. Um, but this is on the darker side of dark romance, if you know what I mean. If you read dark romance and you've read a variety, you get what I'm saying. Um, but it's intense. You've got an extremely possessive and obsessive. Touch her and you die. Over the top. Mail, you have some all sorts of new kinks that are explored. It's it's a absolutely wild ride and the plot is unreal. It like <laughs> had me screaming on multiple occasions. Um but it is very, very intense. So again, as always, just because I liked it does not mean that you will like it. Um it has a lot of the the same vibes and feelings is um, the cat and mouse duet so with that being said I personally did not finish the second book in the cat and mouse duet because it was a little it was it was too dark for me um and mm-hmm. I didn't really like it but this book The Ritual I really really enjoyed so as I tell everyone who reaches out to us in our DMs about like a lot of times when I post hey this book was five stars this is a dark romance book I really liked it A lot of you do a really good job of asking more questions. And as always, 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 always ask questions because Dark Romance, just because I liked it and you have read the fantasy books that I enjoy does not mean that you will like the Dark Romance books that I enjoy. Okay, Dark Romance is kind of a touchy area. Read the trigger warnings. Make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. And don't be afraid to not finish it, people.
1: That's okay. That's what I was going to say. I feel like I feel like you have to take your own like that's the thing with dark romance compared to any other genre. Like any other genre, you can have a background and you can interpret characters differently based on your personal experience like kind of like Silver Flames, right? Where it's it's not really like um uh anything that's going to harm you by like reading or whatever, but with dark romance it's like you kind of have to know your own personal history to be able to move forward and know like if that's going to be for you and if you read something that makes you feel icky and not like a i feel like i can keep going dnf that shit like it's okay Mm -hmm. and the reason that amber can say it's not a hannah romance because she knows me (laughs) and she knows like the stuff that i just can't read that makes me feel not good so we don't know every single one of you individually that listens to the podcast so always always If we recommend something that we say is dark romance or kind of like a touchy book, you can feel free to message us of like, are there like these themes in it? Or, you know, like, is it safe for this thing? And we can kind of at least let you know what we think.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I know we kind of sound like, especially like, I kind of sound like a broken record because every time I recommend a dark romance, I kind of get on this soapbox. But the reason I do it is because we have such a wide variety of listeners on this podcast. We mm-hmm. have listeners that really really love the like romance and fantasy aspect but don't really like like the smut. Like we have individuals that mm-hmm. listen to the series and have read all of SJM's book and they skip over the sex parts. And that's, and that's totally okay. freaking fine. If that's what you love, continue doing what you love. On the other end, we have people that love every single dark romance that has ever thrown their way. The darker, the better. You like it absolutely wicked. You're going to get it. You'll find it, you know, and mm-hmm. and I personally like to read the entire spectrum of things. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: we always say that, you know, you best read what you love. If you do like dark romance and you read all that shit, the ritual, <laughs> let me tell you that was that was it was good stuff. It
0: was good stuff. <laughs> I love okay, that.
2: okay. So last episode, we had our first successful training session, and looking back, it was Nesta's very first step toward becoming a Valkyrie.
1: Oh, my heart.
0: I love that,
2: and and it's like quite literally <laughs> too because her very first step, get it? They literally worked on their toes toe strength, toe mobility, foot <laughs> mobility you know in both of the sessions but it was absolutely mm-hmm. exhausting and it kind of provided her her base of training literally and we also got a larger glimpse into her relationship with Gwyn um, as well as Gwen's history and we are so excited for this relationship to Bloom and we ended last episode with the um, House of Wind and Nesta initiating their friendship as well and you know, with everything going on, they were a good and successful three chapters. And and in the next handful of chapters in this book, people, Silver Flames just is such a roller coaster because the big beginning of this book, you're just like going down, down, down. And then once she starts training, you have like so many chapters of like, wow, Nesta is growing. Nesta is growing. And we're about to hit a regression. We're about to hit a regression. So buckle up, people.
0: Yeah,
1: it's like I tell my patients. This is my little spiel I give them. Progress is not purely linear. We have we have ups and we have downs, people. And we're about to go down down baby. baby. <laughs> but not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a puff puff pass going down. This is a bang your head against the wall. I'm very angry and frustrated. Okay, so let's get into it. It's good. all right so chapter 15 we open this chapter with nesta in the library on the sixth level and she's peering down into the seventh level and she's just staring into the darkness there and it's heavy like a fog rising and falling almost like it's breathing creepy Creepy. also creepy why is it the seventh level Uh that feels this way Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Hmm. Weird. We'll table that. Okay, so (laughs) the darkness grips Nesta and she hears it whisper her name Nesta. Until, boom, she's startled by Gwen. (laughs) And Gwen sees her, and Nessa is clearly shaken up, like like she's seen something that has disturbed her to her core. And my favorite thing about Gwen, why she is so fucking cool, she doesn't judge Nesta or like act like she's weird. She's just like, did you see something? And when Nessa tells her about the darkness, Gwen is just like, okay, we need to leave and go up somewhere where it's safe. And she just tells Nessa not to look back and they rush off. And Gwen even tells Nessa she also feels a weird presence, kind of like a curious cat. And again, with what we know, like quick spoiler for the SJM universe, we've talked about this curious cat feeling before. And I know at the end of the book, we learned that like Nesta, it's it's. The darkness is like Nesta's darkness come to life and bringing life into the house and making it a sentient being. But I still, I feel like it could be like a red herring of like, why is it the seventh level? And why does Gwen feel it like a cat when we know someone who likes to appear as a little kitty cat?
0: Hmm.
1: Hmm. Eight as much. And we know,
2: yeah, that seven is a very distinct number.
1: Yes. Hmm. So again coincidence we don't know suspicious maybe we're gonna yep. keep moving on because we have no grounds to build anything else up off of this but i just <laughs> find it worth pointing out <laughs> mm-hmm. so Nesta tells gwen the darkness felt old and gwen is like okay are you an expert in like aging darkness like a mm-hmm. darkness scientist i don't know and nesta <laughs> is like Do you know who I am? And not in like a a powerful like, do you know who I am? More Mm -hmm. like a, please tell me you don't know anything about me type deal. Right. And Gwyn is like, well, you're Feyre's sister and you like killed the King of Highburn with Truth Teller. And very quick note here. This makes me so mad. Why are we? Why is everyone giving the credit to Nesta for this? This is, I'm
2: so confused because this is not the first time that this has happened.
1: This is brought up so many times and, oh, sorry, finally just closed the door. <laughs> um, It's brought up so many times where I'm like, okay, Elaine is the one who stabbed him in the neck with True Teller. Like, he would have eventually bled out, I feel like. Like, she's the one, like, Nessa just decapitated him. Like, she just did the final little whoop you know it's yeah. like it's like if you're writing a paper in college right you write the entire thing except the summary and then your friend comes in and writes the summary and then turns that paper in as her paper and gets all the credit for the paper that's exactly, exactly. what this is like right like yeah you'd be you'd be upset by that like why why are we just like nesta is the one who killed hibern i don't know thanks nesta yeah it it yeah. feels it feels odd i agree with you it's weird. Okay, so Gwen is like, yeah, I kind of know who you are. But what Gwen doesn't know, as Nessa reveals to her, is that she's made. And she was turned fey by the cauldron. And so she kind of has this, like, otherworldly darkness in her (laughs) that kind of recognizes the other darkness. And I just, like, like that she kind of divulged that little tiny piece of her to Gwen of, like, I'm not really, like, a normal high fey. I'm not like other girls, Gwen. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and this begins my this begins my soapbox with Nesta. In mm-hmm. the next few chapters, Nesta is trying. She's she's so stuck in her grief and everything else that she's feeling. But, and I think again, we've all been there. But when you're feeling mm-hmm. so stuck. It's like mm-hmm. your subconscious wants to isolate yourself further, so you absolutely convince yourself that no one else has ever experienced anything like you have ever and that everyone else is in one camp and you're in yep. this camp by yourself. Yep. And and it's just what what our brains convince us of and mm-hmm. it's absolutely astonishing how obvious this is with Nesta is she is just I will give it to her. She is extremely unique with her power. Mm-hmm. But what she fails to recognize is that everyone has a unique experience. Every single being is unique. Yes. You are not alone in being alone. We're all alone. Right. That's why we're all never alone. We all have this exactly. collective experience of being isolated with ourselves because we are the only one who can ever truly feel ourselves and that's why we can connect to everyone else because everyone else as a collective has that same exact experience within themselves
1: yes which which then gives you a similar experience
2: yes (laughs)
1: Uh, it gives
2: you a similar experience but nesta is just so she realizes it later in this book i don't think she this isn't something that she's like i realize that we're all kind of like she doesn't have this revelation, obviously, but right. right now she has absolutely no awareness that nope. other people are going through unique things, too. She's like, but I'm different. I'm different. Yeah. This is me. This is a me thing a no one else thing. It's only a me thing. It's not thera, It's not Reese. It's not you, Cass. Everyone's all together and I'm
1: just by myself. Like, no, that's you know literally this... never how it you is. Know what... You know what? This is giving. <laughs> it's giving like early 2000s 2010s uh main character vibes in like every movie ever (laughs) i'm so different like i'm not like other girls i'm shy like i'm a shy girl bella Bella. elena oh my god elena yes Uh, oh who else who else any hillary duff anything that (laughs) hillary duff was (laughs) and love hillary duff fucking love her oh my she was god. my idol hell yeah and i still i still idolize her but yeah it's just like any any I'm movie different. we grew up watching yeah it's like the hair <laughs> behind the ear the like biting the lip and like slumps i feel like this is why i have <laughs> shitty posture because i was just like i'm different like <laughs> i'm emotional no one else has emotions as oh a teenage my girl. god honestly that's
2: like every single one of us when we went through if you went through an emo phase, like in oh, middle school, yes. early high school, you're just like, I'm unique. I have, I'm, I'm different. <laughs> I'm, I'm dark and mysterious and no one gets it. And it's okay. Cause I'm just going to be by myself and listen to my sad music.
1: Yes. Which I feel like is a pipeline for where we're at now. So I feel like, hi emo <laughs> girls. You must be at least 50% of our listener base. Hi. Hi welcome where are you
2: where are you
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man all right oh, we're God. gonna get we're gonna get anyway, back on track. continue sorry about that it's okay i love it you know i love a good tangent so before they part ways back with nessa and gwen in the library um before they part ways nessa asks gwen um because gwen had that her invoking stone with her and that was kind of what was like flickering and showing her like ooh, we're not safe yet and then once it kind of stabilized we knew we were in an okay place which we learned that it's kind of like a protective stone with like the power of the mother running through it um which i find very interesting and cool Mm -hmm. um but before they part ways nesta asks gwen Why don't you wear that stone on your head like the other priestesses do? Like, you keep it in your pocket. And Gwen replies, because I don't deserve to. (gasps)
0: Gwen, Gwen, you
1: deserve the world. I just want to give her a hug and squeeze her and tell her she deserves everything and she's so worthy. And characters feeling like they aren't worthy is like... It just, like, my heart rips into tiny shreds every single time. It makes me love a character even more because it's just like, oh, you sweet baby angel. You deserve the world. Feel,
2: I think this is kind of where Nesta and Gwen, they really relate on this because they they both feel the same exact way about themselves.
1: Yes. And, like, that's one of those things where, um, like, you and I have talked about before of, like, working on how you, like, talk to yourself and how you, like, love yourself quick side tangent because i know you guys live for those i was in (laughs) yoga uh, a couple days ago and we got to a part where we kind of had our knees bent and the instructor was like uh okay and just kind of like give yourself a hug here so i was like squeezing you know giving myself a hug and then she said but now hug yourself like you would hug someone you love like your best friend or your partner." When I tell you I cried in the middle of yoga class giving myself a hug, like, just try it, you guys. Like, just try giving yourself a hug like you would. I mean, like, I was, like, rubbing my leg, like, running my thumb over my arm, like, picturing you or Riley. And I was just like, this is, like, how, like, why don't I feel this way about myself? And I feel like that's, Mm -hmm. like, the whole undertone of this, of Nessa's story is just, like, her isolating herself and not realizing how cool she is and how the parts about her that are edgy and different than all of our other Archeron sisters like it's actually a good thing and really cool we just haven't gotten there yet so Mm -hmm. it's just like I don't know I had that experience this week and I just wanted to share that because I found it that's amazing
2: oh Mm -hmm. that gives me the warm fuzzies and it just
1: it was so cool
2: to your point it's so important to love yourself I actually the when I started looking into this, and we've talked about this, but it's been a long time about mm-hmm. like positive self talk, mm-hmm. but I'm going to recommend this is one of those self help like workbooks, so if that's your thing i would- i would love love for you to find it's called the mindful self compassion workbook
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it's by Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer. And when I say that this workbook changed my life, mm-hmm. I am not exaggerating. I am not exaggerating. It makes you uncomfortable because it forces you to see yourself in a very different light. But like at the end of the tunnel, there are so many positive outcomes from this workbook, and it's just it's just beautiful so if mm-hmm. If you feel like you're someone who is ready to kind of open up your eyes to the power of loving yourself which is the most selfless thing you can do. Yes, right? We we're, we're like in this mindset that loving yourself can somehow be selfish when in reality, if you love yourself, it is the most selfless thing you can do because the better you can love yourself, the better you can love everyone else. Yes. And this workbook is just so beautiful and it does it goes it goes through all of these Things just like Hannah said, like it makes you treat yourself the way that you would treat the people you love most in your life, and it like reframes your subconscious, and it's just beautiful.
0: Oh, yeah! I love that that happened
2: to you in
1: yoga. That makes me (laughs) want to curl up and just like cry happy tears all day long. Mm -hmm. It was good. I was like crying when I told Riley about it when I came back (laughs) Uh, because they always asked me how yoga was, but I was like, it was like literally life changing today. But I will confirm that workbook is amazing. I haven't made it all the way through it yet because when i moved i just like forgot about it so i'm glad you reminded me of that because now i'm gonna dig it up and finish it but it yeah, was it's yeah so special. It, it's an experience but a but a good one
0: mm-hmm.
1: um okay so moving into the next part of this chapter i'm just gonna give a, a brief trigger warning also i will um i'll try and link the workbook that we just talked about in our show notes so that way you don't have to keep flipping back and try to find it um and then I'll also we can put it on our story too after this episode airs of Fine. of like resources. So um trigger warning, these next this next part of this chapter does contain sensitive topics including essay. So if that's something that is sensitive for you, you can you can skip ahead a a little bit. Um so the next day nesta is in the training ring with cassian and she's struggling and sweating and just demanding to know like do you really is this enjoyable for you really like doing this endlessly on a loop i mean it's like cassian is like at the gym and he's got like you have the options of uh listening to music. He's not the shuffle button. His life is on like the loop where you just play the same song over and over and over again. <laughs> like that's his life of training. It's an everyday thing for him. It's a it's like a ritual. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I kind of do, honestly. And he opens up about his past and he tells Nesta about how his mother was forced to give birth to him alone because of her status as an unwed pregnant woman, in a tent in the dead of winter. Ick. And, even more ick on top of that, the man who is biologically his father, and nothing else, was married to someone else, and forced himself on her, and he faced no consequences. And... This is the part where I, why I wanted to give trigger warning because this is just so much like our, like, real life. And I know we go to, to fantasy books to get away from real life, but this moment of Nesta muttering there never seems to be consequences for people like him is so fucking real and, like, so fucking sad. And the moment where Cassian kind of picks up on that of, like, when the way she says it, he's like, okay, clearly like she's been through something similar to this or like this is sensitive for her he immediately is like uh there are consequences now and here in Valaris, and with the illyrians uh for behavior like this and he tells her that reese is trying his hardest to change these laws and to change like the way that's framed and the way people think about it and um He tells her that the females, the victims, and just the victims. I don't even like just saying the females, the victims, because anyone can be a a victim of sexual assault. The victims that step forward, like they still have to come forward and and say that it happened and talk about it. Um, And that when this happens, maybe not so much in Valaris, but with the Illyrians, because they're so fucking awful, they make that person's life a living hell afterwards
2: like having to come forward and like Mm -hmm. basically convince everyone that you went through this fucking horrible experience isn't bad enough Mm
0: -hmm. is
2: you're then treated as Mm
0: -hmm.
2: less than Mm
0: -hmm.
2: because something fucking awful happened to you that you had absolutely no control over and you were able to come forward or willing to come forward with it and that's that's ultimately the crux with essay and that's the fucking yes. worst. It's the fucking worst thing about it is that when people I I mean, I'm just preaching to the choir. We all know. We all know. We all know it. We all know it. Yeah. Right? It's that
1: yeah. <clears throat> it's the it's the whole well, it took you a, a, such a long time to like bring it up and like because of that like is it really real and at like from very vaguely, just from personal experience, I will say there's two things of that one it does take so much bravery to tell someone your story like i literally feel nauseous right now even just thinking about that aspect of like of that part of any kind of like sexual assault or um molestation or anything like that and that part is really hard and then after two just like when you think about it, like, sometimes for people, our brains are so complex. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Amber and I are huge, huge, huge on the brain. We are, like, fascinated by it. It's so cool and mind-blowing and confusing because your brain can take a traumatic experience and shove it down so deep. You literally, sometimes it takes just being touched in a certain way, and it all comes out and you are feeling it and you're remembering it and it's scary and not a good feeling. And I just feel like why our, cause now I'm just going to talk about real fucking life because I feel like this is stuff that needs to be talked about. Why our justice system cannot apply basic psychology to when you're like having a trial or something with someone who's been accused of like sexual assault. It's like the victim, like a has to be so brave to come forward. B has to be ready to face all of the consequences that come after for them, not for the person who abused them, for just coming out and saying something about it. Because rarely is it ever, oh, yeah, that person's awful, like, wow, they suck. It's like, no, but he was such a good boy or like, but he's an athlete or, you know, all of the excuses that are given. Or he has a
2: clean record. Are you sure it was him?
1: Yeah. It's like, yeah, people can be a creep and you don't fucking know about it. Karen, like, yeah. It's just so it just blows my mind that in our real life that we know all of these things now and it's still just those those predisposed biases and um prejudices and um what's the word I'm looking for? Stereotypes. Ha. That those are still like we still have those in place when someone's coming forward and Opening up about something truly horrible and very vulnerable. And I just think that both in our fantasy novels and real life, that needs to change. Like, that needs to change. And I know mm-hmm. you guys all know that. I just needed to rant about it.
2: Yeah, so. and I do think there's there's a complete validity that we forget to talk about in society about deciding not to come forward. Yes. I think that's entirely valid. If that's what you choose to do, whether it's out of... <laughs> You're fucking exhausted. right Mm -hmm. you know you're you're too exhausted to go through and jump through the hoops that you have to when you do come forward about something like that you're scared Mm -hmm. of the consequences of your abuser of your whomever else in your family or circle Mm -hmm. would say or do as a result it's completely valid if you decide not to come forward that's okay too yes And there's no it's not and it's not your fault. It's not your fault that Mm -hmm. you don't come forward. And if you don't come forward right away and instead you decide to come forward in two weeks, in five years, in two decades, Mm -hmm. that's okay too. Just because you waited does not mean you just because you waited or didn't tell anyone at all does not mean that your experience is any less valid or fucking awful. Even though people will try to tell you that. It's bullshit. Yeah. Yes. And they're full of shit. And you're a wonderful person. Mm-hmm. And fuck them all. Fuck them all.
1: Fuck them, fuck them all. Ugh. That's our soapbox about that today. We have, we're fiery today. We <laughs> are. today. coffee a little spicy. <laughs> the coffee's coursing through my veins. I'm like, say everything on your mind, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Do it. Say it out loud. Out loud. <laughs> Wow. Oh, man. Meanwhile, the listeners are like, oh, boy, <laughs> this, this kind of episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is another one, guys. Get you a cup of tea. Get you some chocolate. Find a hand to hold. I don't know. Whatever you need to get yourself through the tough stuff. Honestly. Uh, Take care of yourself. All right. So. um, OK, yeah. So we do know that Nesta here in the situation when she's muttering that is trying to block out those memories of Thomas. We know Nesta has had a personal experience of someone forcing themselves on her. Um, and after Cassian tells her about all the stuff we just talked about, about how hard it is for the victims, um, and why, you know, it's taken a while to change, um, he tells her they're immortal. And for immortals, it takes them a while to change, which you think it would be the opposite, but it kind of makes sense where it's like, for humans, we know we have the set lifespan, right? Like, max, we're probably going to live a 105 years at the very, very most, <laughs> so it's like, You know, we have to kind of make the most of the time we have. And so we make change happen quick because we want the quality of our lives to be better as soon as possible. But for immortals, they're just like, I got forever. So, you know, who needs change? Change? I don't know her. Never, ever (laughs) met her. So it's just kind of like one of those things where it it takes them a while to implement change. And more change has come in Valaris faster because we know the Illyrians are horrible, brutal
0: just terrible people the men anyways um so
1: i'm trying to find oh yeah so Nessa's like okay so why do you even bother with the illyrians sounds like they suck and what cassian says next absolutely rips my heart out it's so gut-wrenching he says quote because I fought like hell to prove my worth to them, to prove that my mother brought some good into this world. Who, <laughs> Cassian? You are good. You embody everything it means to be good. You sweet baby angel.
2: I just want to give him the biggest hug in the world and just tell him that his mom would be so proud of him. She would. I have goosebumps when you said that. <sighs> like I just want to hug him and like rock
1: him. I, Amber, I love him so much. Oh, the Bat Boys just, the Bat Boys top it all. Like, I, like they really do. They are Nothing like my favorite. The God, they're so fucking good. This like, is they crack cracking this shit. Like, God, I'm literally wearing my Bat Boy shirt today because <laughs> I'm <laughs> just like, these three, these three men have just blow mm. your standards out of the water. Like, just. Their stories all I can't wait for Azriel's story because it's probably gonna break Ugh, us too.
2: Probably. In Ugh, the best
1: way. In the best fucking way. So Nesta asks, and, and this is rare for Nesta, guys. We are getting Nesta asking someone else about themselves. Like it's not a pity party, woe is me, Nesta moment, which I love because I do feel like it shows when she's not consumed with her darkness, Nesta she is a the people she cares about she really cares about them and she mm-hmm. really like wants to know you know she like wants you to be happy she wants to fight for you she wants to know about you and obviously we know she cares about Cassian even though she wants everyone to believe she doesn't mm-hmm. so she asks about his mom where is she now he tells her because she was disgraced they were separated like Cassian was literally thrown out into the snow and she was forced to do back-breaking labor for horrible men until she died. And the worst part is there was nothing that anyone could really do about it because Reese wasn't High Lord yet. Remember, the Boys were still, I mean, they were basically like teenagers probably when this all happened, like our equivalent of being a teenager. And Cassian, like, wasn't really in his full power yet. He was still, like we said, quite young. So he wasn't strong enough to be able to go and save her. And again, heartbreaking so heartbreaking it's like this again cassian's backstory just reminds me so much of anakin for anyone who's watched star wars Mm -hmm. just such a anakin and his mom yeah just so sad it's like if the timing would have been different things could have been different and those stories kill me the most like where it's like with if things would have just been like one thing would have been different the outcome could have been just Eons different than what it was. Mm -hmm. And so then Cassian realizing, we are trading into some sensitive territory. And honestly, I like this. He puts his guard up because Nessa has not earned the right to get more of his story yet, to be trusted with like responding in the way that people that Cassian might need for this information that he's giving her. And so I don't blame him one bit for putting his walls up nope and he just kind of brings it back to the the point right why we started this whole conversation and he tells her i like training and i live for training because it centers me and i've been through a lot with reese my mom just everything and it helps me and he gets a little defensive here again because of how nesta usually is telling her you might not believe me but it's true And Nessa in this moment has this feeling of shame just kind of washes over her as she realizes that her track record of behavior is the reason why Cassian is reacting to her in this way. And this is where I'm like... Yes, girl! Yeah, like, okay. I I don't even... This isn't even a moment where I need to be like, yeah, I understand this. Get it. Totally. Yeah, fine. This is where Nessa... This is like a pivotal moment where she needs to start self-reflecting. She needs to, like, see that Own it. Maybe let's apologize. This would be a perfect moment to be like, Cassian, I see how you're reacting to this, and I understand why. And I'm so sorry that I have made, I have caused you to feel this way. Like, not in the petty. I'm sorry you feel that way. But like, I'm so sorry that. Fucking hate that. I know. I know. (laughs) I'm sorry
2: you feel that way. There is nothing that's going to get take me zero to a hundred faster than fucking. I'm sorry you feel that way.
1: (laughs) I know. I'm
2: sorry. You're a piece of shit.
1: Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. Now. you but triggered, it's so me. <laughs> yeah. But that's why I wanted to distinguish the difference because there's a difference between yes. between saying sorry you feel that way or sorry I made you feel that way, like in a petty way, versus like I know that the patterns of my behavior has caused this reaction in you. Mm-hmm. That is that is on me, and I'm sorry. But we don't get that. We get Nesta just spiraling deeper into her this triggers her to just go deeper and deeper and again it's it's fine she's not ready yet i get that but i just hate that once again it causes a, a relapse in the story just from a and from the characters that i love standpoint where it's like ugh, okay we're not moving forward so we wrap up at training and later nesta's in her room surrounded by smutty books that the house has provided for her and i love how she's just like do you read these before you like recommend them and the book the house just drops like more books and amber you are the house of wind you are my house of wind like amber is forever like reading shit and being like "Mm, this isn't this isn't for you Mm, read this right now drop everything you're reading (laughs) it's not important read this one and so it's just I feel like it's that friend we all need in our lives that's just like giving us spicy book recs which is honestly why we named ourselves the house of Wayne book club so if you're wondering the origin of our name this is our origin story right here (laughs) (laughs) oh
2: Oh, man I
1: love it it's so good
2: but does that mean you're also my house of wind because you bring me sweet treats to eat
1: yes we're each other's house of wind I provide oh. the food you provide the book rest provide me with cookies we complete each other with cookies my favorite cookies. on planet earth <laughs> <Excuse me. laughs> oh man it's like cookies. uh, it's like on uh, Ice Age where he's like she completes you like do yeah. you remember that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I love she, it thank you she brings the cake. She brings the books. She come you. <laughs> that's adorable. And, that's, and that is my impression of Sid the Sloth. Thank you. I will be I here the rest of your podcast journey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. she asks the wind, uh, the wind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hello, Hello, wind. The wind. <laughs> Hello.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Ooh, Hannah, can shit together, girl? Yeah, hot mess. All right. So she asked the house of when She's like, Bro, where is my DoorDash delivery, though? Like, I'm waiting for my room service. Where is my dinner? And the, I love this part. The house just opens her door, like, ah? Like, There's also awesome dinner outside of your room. And she's like, No, I've freaking had enough of Cassian today, like, in the best way. I just, like, I'm not I don't think I can be around him anymore. Again, we know because Nessa, I feel like is starting to be like, I can't control myself around this yeah, <laughs> beautiful man. Which to be fair.
0: Ballad. I mean it's just valid thought.
1: Yeah. So if I was alone in the house of wind with any of these dudes, I'd be probably feeling the same way.
2: <laughs> I would be like I'm either I'm either with them all the time with nothing on my body or I can't be with them at all. And there is, and there is nothing in between.
1: (laughs) Yes. We're on one end of the spectrum or the other. (laughs) So again, the house just opens the door wider and there's just kind of like silence. The house is like, I'm your imaginary friend, which is like, cool. Like everyone needs an imaginary friend. And like, we're friends, we're friends, but like, you need, like, a physical, like, flesh and bone friend, too. And feel like Cassian could be a good one to you. <laughs> and just, like, <laughs> leaves it at that. And she's just House like... House
2: of Wind is the
1: real wingman of the story. For, like, for real, though. It's kind of like, um... Have you ever watched Inside Out? Oh, God. Yeah. Bing bong. The House of Wind is bing bong. Like, bing bong. like pushing the forward the story forward and, like, kind of like tying it all together. It's like... That imaginary friend that pushes it through. And I just feel like it's very Bing Bong. It's giving a Bing Bong.
2: It's giving <clears> Bing Bong. <laughs> uh, do you want to hear a story about Inside Out?
1: Always. I love um, that movie.
2: So, Inside Out came out when I was in undergrad. And I was mentoring an eighth grader at the time that had, um, like, a really icky home life. Um, so, I was with her one day a week. I'd hang out with her for, like, four hours in the evening after school um and at the university they were playing inside out for free so i talked to her caregivers and i i asked her if i could bring her to inside out and she was just like for an 8th grader maybe she was a 7th grader at the time um you know she's kind of hardened a little bit um and i brought ben with us too and we went to inside out and i am such a freaking sap I am, I'm a sab. In that movie, I was like hiccup crying. And this Mm -hmm. girl sitting next to me was crying because she was laughing so hard at me. (laughs) And she was just like
0: hysterically
2: laughing at me this entire time. Like she was not even phased by this fucking movie. She was just, I could feel her staring at me the entire time. And I was trying so hard not to cry and i was oh, just no. like had the waterworks and she like literally the rest of my time with her m- like giggled to herself or would bring it up every single time she's like remember that one time you were sobbing in a movie theater full of people <laughs> <laughs> you little you're, shit
1: you're like haha ha <laughs> yeah let's move past that kid all right <laughs> but you know what's crazy amber i bet because that movie, that movie was not made for kids. That movie was a therapy session for adults with childhood yeah. trauma. I feel like now she probably, as which is crazy to think she's an adult now, but oh, yeah. as an adult, I bet she watches that, and she, I, I, I bet you money. She cried, and she thought of you, and she was like, oh. I get it.
0: I get it now.
1: <laughs> I get it. Also, uh, I hope she had that moment.
2: <laughs> I am so fucking excited for that next movie to come out. I think I know. It comes, out, it comes out soon. And the new character, Anxiety, oh my God. I am so <laughs> excited. I am so excited.
1: I'm excited be to be heard again. Yeah, I know. Wreck me again, please. Teach me about my emotions because sadness to me was the best part of anxiety. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God. I. I love it. That movie. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's basically a therapy session in a uh, hour and a half it's film. It's beautiful. So, yeah. <laughs> um. So Nesta does give in eventually. Thank you, Nesta. Finally, and joins Cassian for dinner, and he asks her about the library, and she jokes, "Well, nothing tried to eat me today, so that's a. I guess it was a good day." And Cassian's like, "What the fuck? Something tried to eat you once," and. Uh, she kind of like explains to him what happened with the darkness the other day uh, which leads her to ask him about Braxis and Cassian is just like listen I could never endure facing Briaxis again it was like my actual deepest and truest fears come to life and I feel bad for making the silly reel that I made this week now <laughs> just thinking that <laughs> i have another one that i made uh that's also spongebob <clears throat> that's also cassian and brax so oh my god it's gonna, gonna be great that's but, uh, we we have to make fun of him um he's a, a, a big baddie so he needs someone to put him in his place every now and then that's right <laughs> but like truly he's like shooken shooken shaken to his core of like <laughs> shooken. he's shooken oh, he's shooketh he's and his bootlets shook it in his buttons? <laughs> <in> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, then she she then again, Nesta finally like asking about people other than herself again. She's like, What about the other monsters you put into the prison? And he's like, Oh boy. <clears throat> Let me tell you, they're all scary. Uh I had to uh it kind of like had a moment of bragging of like, huh, there's this one guy, Lanthus uh who i bound into an ash bound mirror using its arrogance against him like and he was like one of those like primordial like beings that were here before prithian was really prithian you know and <laughs> cassian like has this moment where she's clearly like i mean i think she's kind of impressed and he's like yeah not just a brute after all huh and like i know this is meant to be funny but i hate that Cassian feels like he has to validate himself to everyone but like especially her like anyone besides the inner circle he's like I'm not I'm not just a brute like I'm smart in my own way like and I hate that he has to kind of do that all the time I
0: agree
2: I agree it just goes to show um, yeah it just goes to show how Nesta's actions have have had a significant impact on him
1: definitely um, and then Cassian asks Nesta if the darkness in the library reacted to her because of her powers. And Nesta has this moment of, like, what powers? I don't have powers. So we start we start going backwards here, guys. It, like, ugh, it makes me so mad. Cassian is like, uh, what about the handprint in the stairs? Seems like you have powers. And she just, like, gets mad and asking, like, does it even matter that I have powers? Like, why does it matter to you? And he's just like, dude, chill out. I'm just trying to talk to you and have a conversation. Uh, If you have powers this crazy, you need an outlet for them. And that leads him to be like, okay, cue Amarin, who would be great for helping you with this. What happened with you two? And Nessa's just like, what does it fucking matter to you? And Cassie like, all of us are like, I thought we moved past this. I thought we were done with this, like, bullshit of you pretending like I don't care about you. Like, it's fucking obvious, like, that even though, like, it's obvious I'm in love with you, but it's also obvious I just want to be your friend. Like, I want to be here for you. And he's like, it never freaking mattered to me that you had powers at all. It never mattered to me what amount you took from the cauldron. If you had no powers, I would still be interested in like being around you and being your friend and then she's like why (laughs) makes me so mad and he just is like okay fine two can play at this game of answering a question with a question why did you stay by my side against highburn and she's just like because i was a stupid fool (sighs) Mm, i'm so mad i'm so mad and this is like this is their passion in the worst way. This is their butting heads and not leading to our fun, passionate, spicy stuff. This is like frustrating. We are regressing so hard. And Cassian is just like, needs to get to the bottom of this. And he's like, what are you so afraid of? And she's like, me? I'm not afraid of anything. And he's just like, you're a fucking liar. Like, yes, you are. And now she's pissed. But she realizes too late that this is what Cassian was trying to do. He was trying to rile her up because he tells her, hmm, no power's my ass. Your eyes are glowing like molten steel. When you get pissed off, your power rises up to the top. And what happens next? Oh, She mm. stalks towards him, teeth bared, and stares into his her eyes. Uh oh he stares into her eyes and he whispers beautiful and she pushes him into the wall and he stares at her hungrily okay I'm just Fuck gonna yeah. read from yeah I love it uh, it's like it leads to the tension that we want we want this kind of tension give me all the sexual tension <laughs> so I'm just gonna read from page 182 because I can't say it better than Cassian himself it's beautiful Nesta didn't, couldn't move, as Cassian leaned to whisper in her ear. The first time I saw that look on your face, you were still human. Still human, and I nearly went to my knees before you. His breath caressed the shell of her ear, and she couldn't stop her eyes from fluttering shut. His smile brushed against her temple. Your power is a song, and one I've waited a very, very long time to hear, Nesta. Her back arched slightly at the way he said her name, the way he bit out the second syllable. Like he was imagining clamping his teeth down on other parts of her. But only her hand bridged their bodies. Only her hand now bunching up his shirt. His thundering heart pulsing beneath it.
0: Oh my god.
1: So both beautiful and hot. Oh my god.
2: Not as hot as what he does next though.
1: Oh boy. So then (laughs) Cassian lowers his nose to her neck. And breathes in her scent greedily. Mm. I love this. And I she's like, fucking love this. <laughs> Me too. There's something so primal about that where it's just like smelling her arousal and just like her in general, like her personal scent. Mm. It's like when Edward is like, your, the smell of your blood is like my own personal brand of heroin. Like <laughs> this is that. And Nesta is like, oh fuck, I'm in trouble now. And I let this go too far. I need to go back. Help, SOS. And Nesta, though, is like, also like, I want to be so close to him so badly. And she pulls back. And when she looks into his eyes, she goes weak at the knees. And his eyes are filled with desire. And she can barely breathe. Me too, Nesta. Me too. Mm -hmm. And also me. She gets tingly in her lady bits. And he (laughs) fucking... (laughs) fucking breathes that in too He's. it's just oh like we're getting we're getting maximal scented here and he rubs his hand over <laughs> <laughs> oh god
0: Jesus he rubs Christ. his
1: hand over hers as he tells her you know what I'm gonna think about tonight <laughs> I love this part I'm gonna think about that look on your face I'm always looking thinking about that look on your face oh, oh. shit sweet jesus help me lord <laughs> oh my god so <laughs> while i fan myself to cool myself down it yeah. doesn't matter it gets hotter you guys later nesta cassie's a fucking genius nesta's in her room and she's like quite literally hot and bothered she cannot yeah. sleep and she is haunted by Cassian's words and she just pictures him in his room in his bed sprawled out like a dark king pleasuring himself
2: oh my god
1: and she hangs a metaphorical sock on her door and tells the house of wind do not disturb until tomorrow morning please (laughs) i need some space i don't need a witness for what's about to happen yep I need no one to to witness me caving to this. And the house leaves. She thinks of Cassian's words and finds the wetness between her thighs that had not gone away since that moment with Cassian earlier in the hallway. And while she pleasures herself, she pictures Cassian's face and she pictures her hands as Cassian's hands as she brings herself to orgasm and just lays absolutely wrung out on her bed. Oh my god! Oh. And this is the stuff that saves. This is saves this book. Like it, the, mm, mm, it's so good. Yeah. And oh. it it just like,
2: at the end of that chapter, you're like, oh my gosh! And then chapter sixteen starts, and it it picks up but from Cass's perspective, mm-hmm. and needless to say, Cass. Also did not sleep well because he did his job too well and also got himself hot and bothered.
1: <laughs> it backfired.
2: <laughs> and he had to pleasure himself, not once,
1: not twice,
2: three times to be able to like uh-huh. calm himself down enough to go to sleep. Damn. Oh my god.
1: These and, people.
2: And they both like... It's really funny because the next day they sit at the breakfast table and it's and it's awkward. It's so awkward, but only because of the sexual tension as Nesta is like clearly embarrassed and she all but gave away what she did last night. Like she goes to like reach for her spoon, looks at her hand and like puts it under the table and Cass sees it all. And Cass is like, oh, my God. Oh my god. It worked. It fucking worked. <laughs> and then it not only did it work, Cass sees this unfold and then he starts imagining her and what mm-hmm. she did last night. So so now he he came to the table with the intention of being civil and like all business, but now He's imagining her pleasuring herself, and so he's just sitting at the table hard as a rock. And, <laughs> and Nesta is, like, spluttering, and Cass is like, I need to get the fuck out of here before I blow my load before I look without even touching myself.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my god. And it's funny because Nesta brought a book to the table, right? Mm-hmm. And so she's, like, in your traditional, like, awkward trying to focus on literally anything else. She's, like, reading her book. And and Cass is smooth. Cass is smooth. He's like, what? And Nessa is not. So he's asking before he leaves the table. He's like, what are you reading? And she just kind of looks at him and she's spluttering. And he's like, what's it about? And she has just the, the silliest, <laughs> most, like, awkward <laughs> spluttery response and she's like the book is about a book (laughs) and essentially he, he leaves because he's like I literally I cannot I'm gonna like burst out of my pants and after he leaves Nesta chides herself for what she said she was like what an idiot oh my god oh my god
1: and it's like this is like those moments where like uh someone tells you happy birthday and you're like, Yeah, you too. Or like Yeah. Like you're at a restaurant and they're like, Hope you enjoy your food, and you're like, Yeah, thanks, you too. Yeah, thanks, you too. But like in the <laughs> worst way because In the worst way. Yeah. Someone you find attractive.
2: Yeah. Oh, oh god. It's amazing. And okay, so breakfast is over. Okay, now they're in the now they're back to training. And I'm going in the training and in this chapter in particular, they talk about the right and they explain it in detail. We have all read this book before i we know what the right is. I'm not going to summarize what the right is
0: mm-hmm. and
2: all the itty bitty details um <clears throat> so we'll just we'll just go over the basics so when yeah. they got to the training ring, Cass told her that they are going to be working on core work and he immediately corrects it. He like looks at her and he's like abdominals. And he's <laughs> blushing as he flicks her nose and and he flicks her nose and he says filthy mind, too much smut. Oh. And this is and this is this is my husband. Yes. All the time he'll say something <laughs> and I'll just stare at him. <laughs> And I won't even say anything. I won't even react. And he does this. He flicks my nose. And he's like, you get out of those filthy books you read. (laughs) I'm like, this is, I mean, and honestly, this is. Yeah, he's like, this is all of us with our significant others. For sure.
1: For sure. If you read read Smut, your brain is just always, I feel like it's just. There's never a moment where you're not, like, thinking something dirty. Yeah, the smut switch is always on. (laughs) Yep, yep.
2: And so she quickly found out that, quote-unquote, core work is just as hard as the toes. Harder, actually. Mm -hmm. And she says exactly that. And he basically tells her, like, homie, you have a lot of work to do. Like, (laughs) you're... Wow. We've got a long ways (laughs) to go, honey. And... (laughs) And when she says, well, what the hell makes you so special? Show me what you can do. And so he did. Damn. Quote, this was a different sort of torture. To watch him go through the same exercises. To watch the muscles of his stomach ripple. Muscles everywhere ripple. To watch sweat glisten and then run down his golden body over his tattoos. Along the eight-pointed star of their bargain on his spine before sliding into the waist of his pants
0: oh my god
2: hello (laughs) oh my god and she keeps going in another age he might have been deemed a warrior god by mortals but he might very well be considered a great hero in this age warriors Mm -hmm. would want to be him and she'd called him a brute.
1: And there's the credit our baby boy deserves. Yeah, exactly. Cassian is like the the warrior male version of the it girl. Like every like like he is he is it. Like he's terrifying. (laughs) He is it. Stop treating him like he's like he can't destroy you in like literally a blink of an eye, Nesta. Yeah.
2: And she so she she again. Hot and bothered, again. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. desperately needs to change the subject. So she asks about female Illyrian warriors. And Casks, <clears throat> he goes on to talk about the social gauntlet of the Illyrians. And then dives into the blood right, in Ramiel. And w- we know all about it all. And <laughs> later in this book, we get up close and personal with all of these aspects. Um, but the mm-hmm. notable part about this story is that People who compete in the Blood Rite are sorted into one of three categories. I can't pronounce the names of these, so I'm not even going to try. But the three categories are, one, the ones who survive but don't make it to the base of the mountain. Second one is the ones that make it to the mountain but not to the top. And then the third, that top tier, are the ones that scale the summit. And they're considered the elite warriors. Mm -hmm. Only a dozen warriors in the past five, five centuries. Have reached the mountain. Have reached the mountain. That's only tier two, people. Only three others, six in total. Three others besides the Bat Boys have touched the top. Okay.
1: The- yeah. <laughs> Do-, Do we want to talk about the conversation we had earlier, where we were talking about how how Maybe- unlikely it is?
2: Yeah. Let's talk about it now, so that when it actually happens, we can just embrace it. <laughs> And not talk exactly. about it. Exactly. Yeah, let's talk about it now. Okay.
1: The fact that only that only only three others besides the Bat Boy, so six total people in 500 years of the top of the top warriors who've been training their entire lives reach the top of the mountain. I love Nessa and Gwen and Emery, love their journey, respect the hell out of them for being badass Valkyries. But I'm sorry. You're telling me that these women who have trained for like Literally a second compared to all of the men that were in the blood right with them. You're telling me that these chicks made it all the way up the mountain to the top when only six other people, three of them being the most fearsome people we've ever read about in any book ever. You're telling me that these women also achieved that status. I just, as much as no. I think it's cool and badass, I just don't buy it. Doesn't it doesn't track. It doesn't track.
2: And mm-hmm. I. I am all for women being those badass motherfuckers that make it up there. Yeah. Right? I Mm -hmm. am all for that. But let's be real. This Mm -hmm. entire book is talking about how women have it more difficult. And we do. We fucking do. Mm -hmm. And that's just the way that it is. You know, it's not the Valkyries' fault that they haven't been trained since birth. It's not their fault. But just because they started training and they happen to be the fearsome warriors that they are there is no fucking way no way that they are able to make it to the top and i think that this discredits the bat boys
1: yes and it i does. also
2: think it doesn't appropriately show the struggles that these three as women mm-hmm. would have to face to actually make it up that mountain. I just I don't think it's an appropriate representation of Mm-mm. like a congruent linear storyline. It doesn't track. Emory,
1: this is like this is like you and I being like we want to join the NFL. We've never played football in our lives. Yes. Okay? And like truly like maybe Emery out of all of them might have had some background in training, but Gwen no. Nesta definitely not. Okay, this is like us deciding to join the NFL and we train for I'm going to be generous. Five years. We trained for five years, okay, to be badass football players. And then we go out into the NFL and we try to compete against these giant-ass men who have literally been training their entire, like, since they were kids, they've been football players. Yes. We would be squished. Like, I just, again, I think there's just a better way. Like, we, we chatted about how it would have actually been, like in my opinion and again this is just my opinion and i still love i still think it's cool that they won the blood right guys i like i like their journey i love their story i live for their story but i just don't it's not like realistic within this world and like i just think it would have been so much cooler if they would have just survived the blood right and then we had like an epilogue For like a hundred years later, where they're training up young girls from birth to be badass warriors, and they've earned like because those three went through that, they then like earned the respect and like were able to have women compete in the blood right with the men with the Illyrians by choice. Valkyries and Illyrians by choice. You're not fucking dropped in there. You get to choose if you want to if you want to be the best of the best, right? Like, it's not forced on you and also you get to be a part of it but you've trained your whole life so you're on an equal playing field that's the thing it's like (laughs) it just yeah it's so hard to buy and and again i'm not taking away from their story i think it's cool i still love it i'm still gonna gush about it when we get to it but i just wanted to talk about that
2: (laughs) yeah it doesn't i love i'm absolutely obsessed with what you just said how like if there could be an epilogue of, like, mm-hmm. this really amazing story of the three of them training training women, like, from when they're able to walk. And as mm-hmm. they progress through being a mature individual, they decide they want to go through the blood rite. And because they've had these amazing women teaching them, they themselves are badass enough to make it to the top because of the training they had. And they had to work for it. For years, for decades, for so long to be able to get that. I just think that the it would feel so much more mm, wholesome and realistic. And I mean, I know fantasy isn't realistic, but you know what I'm saying. I, well, I, with, I just Within the that. world
1: itself. Yeah. Within that yeah. reality, it's not realistic.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh,
2: man. <laughs> anyway. So as of now, there are only six that have reached the top, which is flipping crazy. And mm-hmm. The blood rite is especially important because Illyrians wouldn't accept any warrior who doesn't complete the blood rite. You could be the best warrior they've ever seen, but if you have not engaged in the blood rite, they will not accept you. It doesn't matter. And Cass gets to another reason why the women don't train, and it's because they don't want to go through something like his mother did. Which sparked a beautiful idea for Nesta. She asked Cass if she could invite the other women, the priestesses. And although this idea comes from the right place, Cass says he would be more than happy to train them, but he also notes that many of them aren't okay with being near males for a good reason. Um, mm-hmm. And Nesta understands, but also thinks, if training can help me, it can help others too. I Like, I want to at least try. And Cass says, okay, but if they want to do this, we may need more people to train, ideally females. And then he's like, well, I think we could see, like, what Farah's schedule is. And Nesta's like, no, not Farah. And and she says, not Farah. And this is f- directly from the book. Nesta hated the words, the way his back stiffened. She couldn't look at him as she said, I just... How could she explain the tangle between her and her sister? The self-loathing that threatened to consume her every time she looked at her sister's face. Okay. I have words. I have fucking words. Why -hmm. is this never expanded on? This entire book she is absolutely Mm -hmm. awful to Feyre. And although we Mm -hmm. get a rationale behind why she was so nasty to everyone else, she never explicitly explains why she's so mean to Feyre. Nor Mm -hmm. does she apologize explicitly for the things she does. And this statement Mm -hmm. says it's coming from a place of quote-unquote self-loathing and I know we can all do horrible things from this place of self-loathing. So I, I understand it. We're, mm-hmm. we're the worst to the people nearest us. Because the yep. people nearest us have seen the worst in us.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's why we're so mean to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What I don't understand is that this is in the beginning of the book. And she does absolutely nothing. Nothing. To work toward mm-hmm. being even semi-civil toward Pharaoh. Mind you, Farah is the person who has been there through everything. Just like I said, Farah has seen it all, has seen the worst of the worst of Nesta her entire life, and is still the one person that is always trying to help Nesta. It, it just, uh, and throughout the rest of the book, until mm-hmm. Farah is literally dying in front of her, Nesta is horrible mm-hmm. to her. And mm-hmm. honestly, I'm pissed off yes. because Farah deserves so much better. And Cass, throughout mm-hmm. the entire book, at least sees the little victories with Nesta. You know, like he sees the progress. Mm-hmm. And Farah has worked her right. ass off to try to do things to help Nesta, sees no little victories, and is consistently belittled and talked down to by Nesta. I. The reason I have resentment toward Nesta is because I know how this book ends, and I do not think that her saving Farrah and Nyx is enough to resolve the way that she has treated Farrah in the entire ACOTAR series. Just because Nesta saved her and told her that she loves her, it's not fucking enough.
1: It's not. And I feel like this is the problem i have going back and reading this book um you know i like you said i can see i I think we definitely validate where like okay nesta it's clearly implied which i hate that it's implied like you said i wish it was expanded on that nesta looks at pharah and every time she sees pharah she sees like them starving when they were younger and her like not doing what she you know should have done to help and do her part you know what i mean like she failed as an older sister get it but like i just think it would be so much more powerful like you said for her to like we spend so much time in this dark negative place and it's like okay sjm i get it Nessa's not in a great place but do we have to spend and and i Again, I am here for Nesta's journey. I love the way that uh, SJM portrays mental health. I think it's so important to have a character that struggles with this. It's realistic, right? Like Mm -hmm. you've either been through it or you've been exposed to someone like her. And I just feel like we spend too much time in the push and pull of her two steps forward, 20 steps back. And we spend so much time in the negativity portion of it and the darkness that when we finally get to the light, It feels like there's not as much payoff because I hate when someone's in dire straits and they get saved and then everything's magically better. Like none of the problems we had before existed. We're all fine now because you did one good thing. And I just feel like it takes away from the weight we could have had of the story of Nesta's actual growth of her verbalizing to Elaine and to Farah, but mostly to Farah, like, the reason I was like this, the, the reasoning behind this, which I still apologize for this behavior, but just to let you know, this is what I was feeling all the times I lashed out. This is where I was coming from. And it's really just from a place of me hating myself for failing you. And then maybe this opens the door for a conversation between Farah and Nesta and for Farah and Nesta to like finally talk about their childhood together. Because mm-hmm. I feel like when you went through shitty things as children together you all had your own separate experiences but collectively you all had this like bad general experience right like Mm -hmm. all three of them had it in different ways like very different um like the way it's structured essentially and from different people within their family right but all of them still had this they all starved together they all lost their mom they you know they have all lost their dad we've got these similar experiences but I wish that we could have them just sitting down and I feel like it would have been so cool to just let them talk it out and get to the bottom of it. And, and that's how you, like, when you have those hard conversations, that's how we move past these things. And it's how Nessa may find they were never resented her. Like, like Nessa may yeah. think that she does and, and they could talk about it, you know? Right. Right. And the thing is like, the thing about that is if she came
2: forward and and said something like you mentioned along the lines of this is why I lashed out the way that I did like mm-hmm. she can't go into that conversation expecting Farah to say it's okay I understand because yeah, no. Farah can be like okay you felt that way but you still treated me like shit exactly. and that's not okay mm-hmm. that's not okay it's never going to be okay I understand you were in a dark place mm-hmm. I understand that but I did everything in my power to try to help you and you were still awful to me. And that's not okay. And that's where when we say tough conversations, those tough conversations, you have to be willing to come forward. Like from Nessa's perspective, you have to be willing to come forward, say Mm -hmm. what you did, why you did it. And honestly, in my opinion, if you're trying to truly have a productive conversation, you don't have to rationalize You don't have to come forward and be like, I did this because of this. Mm -hmm. Like, that doesn't change anything. You still did it. Like.
1: Right. You still did it, girl. I feel like you have to come. You have to come to the conversation being ready for and okay and open to any way that person could respond to what you have to say. You mm -hmm. know? Like, and it being productive doesn't mean they have to skip away together being happy. But maybe we've aired something out and it's something Mm -hmm. that we haven't stuffed down anymore right like it's out there we've talked about it it's acknowledged you know and again like you said i like i like that you said like it like this doesn't necessarily have to end with pharaoh being like it's fine because like you said it's fucking not fine but yes and that's my biggest issue
2: oh sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you could go
1: you're good i was just gonna say it and it's ultimately puts it in the hands of Farrah to be able to guide that, to guide where they go from there, you know, like giving Farrah back mm-hmm. the power of, okay, this is just my piece of the story. Again, it doesn't justify what I did. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you what is going on. I'm so sorry. And then letting Farrah take it from there where she wants it to go. And it just gives her the reins to be able to make her own decisions about it versus just being shit on all the time by Nesta. Yeah. He-
2: yeah, and I think SJM did Farrah a disservice because when this does happen, Farah does exactly that. She says it's okay.
1: Farah does that not a lot.
2: Okay, it's not yeah. okay.
1: Yeah, and I just I
2: book... feel like that's not like in previous books when Reese would come forward and be like, "I'm sorry," Farrah would be like, "It's not fucking okay. Mm-hmm. It's not okay." So then, mm-hmm. why with Nesta is she is she always like it's okay? Like, mm-hmm. that is not what a constructive conversation is. Nesta is not going to grow if she does not discuss the consequences of her actions.
1: Agreed. Like, and I it's, don't it's like not that. Okay. Fa- yeah, yes, you're right. And I don't like that, Farah, in this book, that's Farah's just like, it's fine, like with everything, with everybody. I hate that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's one of my, like, the first episode, it's my, one of my biggest beefs. That is not. How I imagine Farah. Farah is like this. She's like freaking high lady for goodness sakes. Like she's not a pushover. Mm -hmm. And this book portrays her, and she is a pushover in this book. These people are being Mm -hmm. awful to her, and she's like, "It's okay, Reese. It's okay, Nesta. It's okay. I I can handle it. Like who cares about my feelings and my autonomy and blah blah blah? It's fine. No, no. Someone tell this girl it's not okay." Yeah. For real. <laughs> Jeez Louise. You it's want me so to be mad for you, Farah? I'm I'm mad for you. I'm I'm mad. <laughs> Consider it done. Yeah. It's not
0: okay. <laughs>
2: yeah, we're not Doing okay. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Um
2: anyway, so on that tangent, we'll return to the present moment. And Cass agrees to at least offer the option of training to the priestesses. And He said he'll let Reese know, and Nesta is to let Clotha know. And then, our sweet, sweet Cass, because he knows how important this is to Nesta, he clasped her on the shoulder and just said, I like this idea, Ness. I like it a lot. And these words meant everything to Nesta.
0: Ugh! And that's Cassian? Yeah. Yeah. And...
2: Since we went on so many (laughs) tangents there, we're actually going to cap this episode at those two chapters, because they're both very long chapters. Um, So, only two chapters for today, and then next week we'll do three. Yes, for sure. 17 through
1: 19. Yeah, these chapters were behemoths. (laughs) They're thick thick with two C's.
2: (laughs) Thick with two C's.
1: Oh, man. Well, the theme for this episode is, Nesta, please own up to your actions. Nesta, please let's have some self-reflection. And, like, ugh. It just, it's frustrating. And I hate that rereading this book, it has changed that for me, because when I finished this book the first time, I was just on such a high because I Mm -hmm. love Cassian. And I do, overall, love Nesta's journey, but I just, again, overall, we spend too much time in, in the in the thick of it and not enough time being able to like close it full circle. And so I feel like this is why we're going to end up talking about this stuff so much, but honestly it needs to be talked about and it's okay to say things we like and we don't like again, you guys, these are just our personal opinions. So like just keep that in mind. Everyone has different experiences and that forms the way Amber and I both individually interpret this book. So yeah, I just wanted to cap it off there.
2: (laughs) But yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think we're, like, full-blown Nesta regression right now, and we just need to, like, yeah. plow through and and wait for Emery and Gwyn to pull her out of her BS.
1: Yes, where my girls at? We
0: need where are them. Where my girls at? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, guys. Well, I yeah. think that wraps up this episode for this week. That was a good one. We, like, even with cutting a lot of stuff out, we still had a lot to talk about, so I'm glad we, we got to discuss so much stuff. Right. Uh, so next next week, make sure you guys read chapters 17 through 19 um, to be prepared for our next episode. As always, thank you guys so much for choosing to be a part of our book club. We appreciate every single one of you and your unending support.
2: Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at House of Wind Pod. Email us your theories or burning questions to House of Wind Podcast at gmail.com. All of this information can also be found in the show notes. We will talk to you all next week. Stay smutty.